Blessed is the man who has made the Lord his trust and has not turned to the proud nor to those who who laughs into falsehood. Many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders which you have done and your thoughts toward us. There is none to compare with you if, if I would declare and speak of them. They would be too numerous to count. The sacrifice and the meal offering you have not desired. My ears have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Psalm 44, 3, 6. Morning, everyone. It's a great morning to be part of God's kingdom, right? Phenomenal morning. Um, there is a uh, uh, last couple of weeks we talked about uh, fear. Now fear can be a huge factor in our lives. And last week we talked about Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 about Christians and how we interact with government and that and that sort of thing. And so during these these strange times, uh, it's important to to hit things. To, to hit things as they are going on around us. Um, there is a famous Bible teacher that said, a good minister must have the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. And, and that's one way of saying that it's, it's important to talk about just the things that are going on in our, in our world. But there's a, a side of it where we, it's, what's important is to us to escape into the, the world of, of, of God's kingdom. Because I, I've been... All of us have had lots of conversations about uh, with others about the COVID stuff around us and, and the quarantines and masks or no masks and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things that I thought about is what, how are we going to talk about this time period when we get to heaven? And I wonder if we'll even remember it. <laughs> I wonder if it's going to what's what type of discussion we're going to have. And hopefully, the discussion we have is, you know, it was like. Uh, there was there was people in the world that were that were responding by fear, but we just couldn't help but respond by faith, step by step, and uh, and good fruit came from it. Uh, it's kind of like one of those. Uh, I, I've I've watched. Uh, I think all of us have seen movies or or documentaries or whatever. These big ships that are out in the ocean, these massive ships, and and there can be huge storms come up. But the ships that are built well, that are piloted by the great captains, no matter how big the storm is, whatever they get caught in, they just wade through it, knowing that at the, once that storm is gone, they're going to still be there and they've survived it because of the courageous leadership that they've just been able to, to be able to have. So I hope that's our situation as, as uh, things change from week to week, and they've changed since last week, that... Uh, there's some things that don't change, right? The kingdom of God has uh, has has been through much more um, trying times, and um, as we continue to go forward, God is still God, and and He provides a uh, provides a path forward, and just keeps us steady on the seas. I know that today uh, was uh, uh, is different for me because this is the day that I would have been at teen camp uh, this morning, and um, there's a uh, it's a big change for me, um, and I think all of us have had these changes through, through the summer. 
Uh, this, this evening at Mark announced that we're going to have um, a devotional for, for teenagers and young adults and parents who want to stick around tonight. We'll be outside at our house, out in the open, and we're going to shoot a video clip as well just to, uh, to post on the Yellowstone Bible Camp website to, uh, to try to provide some encouragement for people that, that don't have as many Christians around as, as we do. And so you're welcome to participate with that tonight. Now, that's going to be it. Okay, I'm going to go a totally different direction this morning. And what I'm going to talk about during the lesson. There is, uh, how many of you know who this guy is? Anybody? Science buffs have, have an idea? Hey, this is, uh, Asher's got his hand up. Do you know who this is, Asher? Who is it? What's that? No, you don't. Michael Faraday, is that what you said? Daniel Faraday, you're close. It's Michael Faraday. It's real close, okay? Now, I remember I heard his story years ago, and it was one of those stories that just sat with me and impacted me greatly. So I'm going to share it with you, because I think uh, if it impacts you like it impacted me, it'll stick with you and uh, get a, a great testament of faith. And I titled this lesson, God's Electromagnetic Physicist, uh, Discovering the Wonders of God. This is a picture of Michael Faraday in the last years of his life. Now, how many of you have heard of Michael Faraday? Go ahead and raise your hands. Okay? How many of you know some of the things that Michael Faraday is known for? Go ahead and raise your hands. Okay. A lot less of us. We know his name, but we don't really know the types of things that, that he is uh, responsible for unless you're really into the, to the science and you have a, a big background in that. So I'm just going to start, I'm going to go through his life here in a minute. But I want to start by talking about some of his scientific dis- discoveries and understand I am getting in way over my head really fast here, okay? So I'm going to try to say less than more here, okay? Because I know in these type of things, this is not my area of expertise. In 1821, he's credited with the discovery of electromagnetic rotation uh, that that became something that's very important for our world later. In uh, 1823, he discovered gas liquefaction and refrigeration and methods in, in how to perform that. Uh, he discovered in 1825 benzene. Now, benzene, and I, I looked it up, it's found in crude oil, but it is a major part of gasoline that we use today. It's used to make plastics, synthetic fibers, dyes, medical drugs, detergent, other medical supplies, pesticides, and goes on from there. And he was the first one to isolate that. He is also credited with being the one who discovered electromagnetic induction. Now, how many of you know what electromagnetic induction is? Okay, a few of you. Yeah, I know what it is because I worked as a park ranger at a hydropower dam when I was in college. That was my, my summer job. And we gave tours to people. My job was to give tours to people who were usually engineer types and talk about these uh, big generators that would generate, each generator generated 100. 20 megawatts of electricity when it was on. And so you could see the coils up top, the big magnets that were on these rotor arms, and they would, the water would spin them, and they would just hum, and you could feel the electricity. Your hair would stand up, and all that kind of stuff when you were standing in there. That's part of what electromagnetic induction... Those, let me say it differently. Those big generators are based on the principles that Faraday discovered on electromagnetic induction. It's also credited with a discovery of the Faraday effect. This is the ma- a magnetic, magneto-optical effect. Okay, that is um, uh, basically 
Um, I don't have no idea what that is, so we're just going to skip it, right? No, it highlights how light is affected by magnetic forces, okay? And so a lot of things that we use as far as microwaves, not the, well, the, the oven as well, but, but just how we communicate on our cell phones is, uh, this is part of the effect that has to be understood in order to, to allow that to happen. In 1945, he's also credited with the discovery of diamagnetism as a property of all matter. In other words, is that all of us, everything, has some sort of magnetism to it. And he did this by being, setting magnets a certain way that would float a frog off the ground. Um, that's part of what diamagnetism is, is that as individuals, do you, do you ever think about it, that you're magnetic? You are. Like it or not, realize it or not, you are magnetic. But here are some of the things that we have just in our practical everyday life that are a result, a direct result of some of the things that Michael Faraday discovered. And believe me, there's a whole lot more. But electric motors, they all rely on these principles that we're talking about here. Generators, transformers that transform electricity so that it can be usable. Refrigeration, that's quite different than some of the other things he's discovered. Microwaves used in radio, TV, cell towers. How many of you got a cell phone here? Michael Faraday's research is responsible for that being able to happen. Fiber optics, lasers, jet propulsion, and the list goes on and on and on. Is Michael Faraday in the 1800s was discovering the foundations of what the technology would allow that to happen. So Richard, when you're flying over the Atlantic, and you're, I was going to say your jet, but the jet that you fly, right? That's, uh, you can thank Michael Faraday for, for his, uh, his research. When you're driving your car down the road, you can thank Michael Faraday for his research. When you're talking on your cell phone to someone, a loved one that is far away, you can thank Michael Faraday because those concepts that he under- discovered are essential for us being able to use that type of technology. Here's some others just to, uh, to note He's developed a system to measure oxidation numbers. If you've taken a chemistry class, those numbers that you use were developed by Michael Faraday. He popularized technology, terminology such as anode, cathode, electrode, ion. How many of you have heard those terms? Yep, that's Michael Faraday there again. He invented an early form of the Bunsen burner. Now, Mr. Bunsen refined it, but how many of you used a Bunsen burner in chemistry? Oh, yeah. How many of you got in trouble with the Bunsen burner? Okay, all right, there we go. There's confession time. All of you down front right now are going to confess, right? How about discoveries that led to the development of the Faraday cage? And uh, that is something that there's basically, as I understand it, is, is Faraday cages are built so that there you can you can be as long as you're in this cage interference and radio waves and, and magnetism and electricity whatever doesn't affect what happens in the cage. So. Uh, modern music, how it's recorded, those recording studios are built with a Faraday cage around them so that there isn't interference that comes from other places. There's at least five different scientific things that, and I say things because some of them are objects, some of them are concepts, and all of these are named after, at least five of them are named after Michael Faraday. He is credited with a lot of research in the, what we can do now with iron alloys or steel. He was working in, in that, that industry, helping uh, industries understand how to, to separate metals out of, out of rock. There's, it goes much, much further. And uh, I would 
we could continue to talk about these things that I don't understand, but you get the idea here, okay? Michael Faraday is, is a scientist that is held in high regard because of all that he discovered. He actually, Albert Einstein had a, pictures of a few scientists in his office, and one of them was Michael Faraday uh, that sat behind his desk that he could look at and think, okay, what would Michael Faraday do in a situation like this? Well, let's take a few minutes, and we're going to talk about his life, getting more personal. He was born in 1791 in London to a poor family, and he is the third of four children. He was not blessed with the opportunity to have a great education. In fact, his education was, was very common for the day. He, uh, at 14, as his dad was, was, uh, had some problems, it was tough for him to work, Michael Faraday got the opportunity to be an apprentice for a bookbinder. And if you're an apprentice for a bookbinder, what do you have access to? Books, that's right. And so Michael Faraday started reading at 14 everything he could get his hands on and started learning. And he came across a book by a guy named Isaac Watts, who was, uh, who was very well known at that time. And the book was called The Improvement of the Mind. And The Improvement of the Mind, it talks a lot about you need to keep notes when you hear people talk. And then you need to go back and you need to to look at those notes and study them and internalize them so that you really understand what's being said and you can grow in that way. But you might recognize Isaac Watts' name from something else. We don't know him for his work in the improvement of the mind, but if you've ever sung, sang Joy to the World or When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, look at who wrote it. It's Isaac Watts, same guy. And in his books, he talks about how important it is to learn to love facts and to love truth. And Michael Faraday had grown up in a Christian home, but that impacted him a lot. And he thought, boy, I want to be someone who loves facts. I want to be someone who takes notes, who really learns. And when he was 20, he got the opportunity to go to some science lectures. In fact, he couldn't even afford to go to them. But there's a few people around that realized that this young man had a mind, and they paid for him to be able to go. And he went to, um, to one at the, the Royal, Royal Science Society and uh, learned a whole lot. Humphrey Davy was the man who was presenting the material. And, he, and Michael Faraday learned a lot, took notes, and ended up writing 300 pages worth of notes and, and critique on the, uh, the lecture that, that he heard. And he sent this to the presenter. And it got the presenter's attention. And there's some different things happened in the meantime. Uh, one, of the, uh, uh, one of the helpers actually had a, uh, some chemicals blow up, and so he wasn't able to work. And, and the research scientist, uh, Mr. Davey, was not able to take notes himself because he was partially blinded for a time because of this science experiment that blew up. And so he remembered this little guy that had written all of this, these notes and said, I want to, he's going to come and be my assistant for a while. And... One thing led to another, and, and Michael Faraday uh, started working in the Royal Research Lab there. When he was 29, he married a lady named Sarah Bernard, and they never had any kids, but this is very important to what happens in his life. As you go on, we talked about some of his scientific discoveries, but he was elected to the Royal Society of Science and various science honors throughout the world. The American Academy of Science, he was, he was part of that as a, as a foreign member. 
He became the Fullerton Professor of Chemistry at the Royal Institution. He spent a lot of his time when he wasn't teaching and researching, helping government service projects, like the Thames River there in London was very polluted, and he worked on how to clean that up. There was uh, some accidents that happened in coal mines, and he did research on why those things happened. Interestingly enough, the research was forgotten until 60 years later, there was another blow-up, and they went back and said, wait a minute, Faraday told us why this happened. We need to go back and listen to his stuff long after he was gone. He uh, had a great interest in, in, in lighthouses because electric lighthouses could save lives, and he put a lot of time and effort into trying to make those a reality. And the first electric lighthouse in the world was there in London and part of his work. Well, let's go even deeper here in a... I want you to look at this picture right here. This is actually a drawing of, of something that he would do. The uh, Royal Society of Science would put on Christmas lectures for youth. So they would come and they would listen to one of these scientists prepare lessons about science and, and to try to draw them into studying the field of science. And 19 times during his life and during his career, Michael Faraday was the presenter. And he would uh, take a different liquids and gases and make different colors and, and get the kids all amped up and excited about studying science. And those lectures still happen today. They happen on TV in England. The Royal Academy of Science uh, continues those, and Michael Faraday shared that. It was part of him sharing what he was about to uh, and what science was about to the rest of the people around him. And you might be thinking, why on earth are we talking about this scientist this morning at church? What does this have to do with anything? So Michael Faraday, as I learned, and I remember when I learned this, I read more about it and it, it was something that impacted me a lot. So Michael Faraday was raised in a church in England that was called a dissenting church. In other words, it was a church that didn't want to be a part of the churches of England or the state churches there. It was a church that other people referred to as the Sandemanians or the Glassites. And they wanted to be referred to simply as Christians. And they were people, when you read about them, that said, we hope that we can just very simply follow the words of God and be simple New Testament Christians. Does that sound familiar? Shortly after he was married, and he's 29 years old, about a month later, it sounds like he married a girl that was really on board spiritually. He made a commitment that he was going to completely dedicate his life to following Christ. And what happened in the next years, as you go through his, his life, he served as an elder and a deacon in that church for years. He preached frequently, he shared the message of God, and Getting into scripture and prayer was something that was vitally important for him in his, in his life. In his diary that he writes, he talks about how blessed I am to be able to discover the wonders of God. Totally different. Charles Darwin was just a few years after him. They overlapped. But Charles Darwin was trying to figure out how can I explain all of this without God in the picture. And Faraday was saying, I see God everywhere. I see God everywhere in, in all that's happening around. And, and I am so blessed to be able to give the, given the opportunity and the intellect to be able to study the wonders of God that he's revealing in nature. It's said that when uh, Michael Faraday, because he became wealthy over time because of, of his mind and because of uh, the opportunities that he had, 
But the people that he was a part of, this group of Christians that met there in London, they weren't the cream of the crop. They weren't the people that looked at from high society and said, hey, wait a minute, we want to be like that. They weren't those people at all. Oftentimes they were very poor. They weren't part of the Church of England, the state church where all the social stuff happened. Michael Faraday had a nicer carriage than everybody else, and he and his wife, when they would come to assembly, they would park the carriage several blocks away, and they would walk because they didn't want to look any better than anybody else. They didn't want to look any different. They just wanted to be Christians. He was offered the knighthood of the British Empire several times. The royals said, Michael, we are so impressed with what you're doing for the British Empire. We're going to make you a knight. We're going to make you Sir Michael Faraday and all the perks that come with it. You get to go to the big parties. People get to respect you, all that kind of stuff. And he said, no, thank you. That just doesn't fit me. I just want to be Mr. Faraday. That's all I want to be. Thank you very much. But that's, that's not going to be something that that I would be very good at. I'm sure there's many others that you can give that honor to, and they would do much better with it than I would. In fact, think about how this, this is just his spiritual convictions affected his life. He was, several times before he passed away, the powers that be approached him and said, Mr. Faraday, what we want to do after you pass away we want to bury you in Westminster Abbey, the great cathedral there in London. And we want to bury you next to Isaac Newton, two great scientists there that have so influenced what's happened in our scientific world and the British Empire. We want to bury you right next to him. So people can come right next to him. So people can come from all over the world and they can, can see where you are buried. And, and that, that we just, that's the way we want to honor you. And he said, oh, no, thank you. That's, that, that wouldn't be something that honors me. My plan is to be buried in a place with the dissenters, other people that are not a part of the Church of England. I thank you very much, but that's just not something that would honor me. And they tried to pull a fast one. After he passed away, they approached his wife and said, hey, we would like to bury Michael Faraday at Westminster Abbey. What do you think about that? And his wife said, oh, no, no. No, that wouldn't honor him. Thank you very much. But that's just that just wouldn't be something that would honor him. He... Uh, during his life, he did all sorts of good things that, uh, uh, to bless other people. One of the things that he refused during the Crimean War, when the uh, British Empire approached him and said, look, we're having a problem with this war. We want, to demonstrate, we want to develop some chemical weapons. He said, no, not my thing. You've got to find somebody else. Some other scientist is going to do that. It's not my thing. Not interested in, in doing that. And he, he refused to do it because of his faith. And uh, as I understand, one of the last interviews he did, this is how the interview ended. Interviewer asked him, when you go into the next life, what do you think your job is going to be in the next life? And his response was simply this, I shall be with Christ, and that is enough. That was his answer. All of this speaks to someone who was very, very dedicated, very deep faith. There's one thing that happened. There's just kind of a funny story. I think it's funny anyway. The Sandemanians, or the, the Christians, as they're called, 
had a, a very high standard for if you were not deathly ill, then you need to be at assembly. And if you weren't, then we're going to talk about it. And that's, that's what happened. And, uh, and there was one time that uh, Michael Faraday actually was, uh, he was, uh, he was called forward and he was rebuked because of uh, something he did because he missed a Sunday because the queen commanded that she come and eat with him or eat with her. And so Michael Faraday missed a Sunday to go and eat with the queen because he was commanded to. And, and the rest of the group said, no, nah, you know, where's your priorities, Faraday? Come on. He didn't get upset, didn't run off, just said, all right, yep, yeah, all right, let's, we'll work together through this. And, um, and he uh, shortly afterwards continued to serve as an elder. Interesting story, anyway. Think about this. This is uh, one of his biographies wrote about him. Faraday found no conflict between his religious beliefs and his activities as a scientist and philosopher. Now understand, we call them scientists. Michael Faraday and the people, the people of his day would have called themselves philosophers. Okay? They merged those two uh, studies together okay? because they weren't different in their minds. And maybe that's something we should consider and think about as well. But anyway... He viewed his discoveries of nature's laws as part of the continual process of reading the book of nature. No different in principle from the principles of reading the Bible to discover God's laws. A strong sense of unity of God and nature pervaded Faraday's life and work uh, throughout uh, whatever, whatever he was, was studying. I'm going to read a few quotes from him and a few quotes from other people that, that speak to his faith. It says here that uh, Faraday believed that in his scientific research he was reading the book of nature, which pointed to its creator, and he delighted in it. And this is a quote from what he said. For the book of nature, which we have to read, is written by the finger of God. And so everywhere he looked, he saw God. And as he was able to discover some of these scientific things, he saw it as his way of just living out his faith and the way that God has, had designed him. This is another quote for him, from him. How wonderful it is to me, the simplicity of nature when we rightly interpret her laws. I see God everywhere in that. Check this out. Here's another one. This is a, a letter that he wrote to one of his relatives that speaks to his faith. He says, the Christian who is taught of God finds his guide in the word of God and looks for no assurance beyond that word, uh, what that word can give him. The Christian religion is a revelation, and that revelation is the word of God. No revival, no temporal teaching comes between it and him. He who is taught of the Holy Spirit needs no crowd and no revival to teach him. If he stand alone, he is fully taught. That explains why Michael Faraday, in an, in an era where there was so much, so much of science was politicized, and not unlike our world, he was able to walk in the middle of it and say, I'm just going to report what I see, what God reveals here. When there was, uh, speaking of all the, the infighting that was happening in the scientific community, this is what he said. These polemics of the scientific world are very unfortunate things. They form the great stain to which the beautiful edifice of scientific truth is subject. Are they inevitable? They surely cannot belong to science itself, but to something in our fallen natures. How earnestly I wish in all such cases that the two champions were friends. And there's uh, quote after quote, and you can get online and you can, you can see them, of people that disagreed with his findings. And after everyone was long gone, almost always Faraday's findings proved to be correct when better instruments and more science was there. 
But Faraday's opponents consistently said, he disagrees with me out of principle, but we can always talk. A tremendous guy. A tremendous uh, way of demonstrating Christ. Let me share, um, share a couple more quotes here. This is when he was, he was uh, later in life. He says, The saying that separation is the brother of death, I think that it does death and injustice, at least in the mind of the Christian. Separation simply implies no reunion. Death has to the Christian everything hoped for, contained in the idea of reunion. And so Faraday understood from everything that he had read in Scripture, everything that he had seen in science, that there was going to be a resurrection, and he was waiting for that. And he was excited for that. That's why he could say, I will be with Jesus, and that will be enough. Excited for that. Lived my whole life for that. There's one more quote from his, one of his biographers that spoke to him as a person. It said, That one who has been a newspaper boy should receive unsought almost every honor which every republic of science throughout the world could give, that he should for many years be consulted constantly by different departments of government and other authorities on questions regarding the good of others, that he should be sought by after the princes of his own and those of other countries, and that he should be the admiration of every scientific or unscientific person who knew anything of him was enough to have made him proud. In other words, this guy asked for no credibility, and he was given every bit, but his religion was living proof of fresh humility, and from the first to last, it may be seen growing with his fame and reaching its heights with his glory and making him the end of his life certainly the humblest, whilst he was also the most energetic, the truest, and the kindest of experimental philosophers or experimental scientists. To complete this picture, one word must be said of his religion, His standard of duty was supernatural. It was not founded upon any intuitive design ideas of right and wrong, or nor was it fashioned upon any outward expediencies of time and place. It was formed entirely on what he held to be the revelation of the will of God in the written word. And throughout all his life, his faith led him to endeavor to act upon it to the very letter of it. In other words... Michael Faraday's faith and his deep conviction in God was, above all else, what caused him to be what he was. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Go ahead and turn there, and then I have some scriptures that I'll share with you here. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Doesn't it give... It gives me warm fuzzies that men of God are called to, be, to do amazing things in science and in all other areas. I just I love it. Romans 1, verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. And Faraday spent his life trying to draw out what he could see in nature so that people could see God, so that he could make life better for people, so that he could clean up the Thames River, so that he could protect coal miners, so that he could put great lighthouses out so ships wouldn't run into the rocks, that people could turn and see God. That's what he was all about. He wasn't about popularity. He wasn't about getting all of these opportunities. He had, it's amazing, you look at a list of stuff that he turned down. Amazing. 
And he simply was one that said, I choose to follow God however God has made me. Look at these scriptures here. This is written by David in Psalm 40. And this sounds like something that Faraday could have said. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Do you think in Faraday's day there was a lot of pride in the science field? Do you think there was a lot of people turning after false gods, running after all sorts of things that they were missing? Maybe coming up with some great discoveries, but not doing great stuff with it? Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned, you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. (laughs) If we speak about the wonders of God, do you think we can ever list all of them? No way. The wonders of God are amazing. They're all around us. We'll talk about some of those here in a minute. Listen to what uh, uh, Elihu says to Job. Says, listen to this, Job. Stop and consider God's wonders. Do you know how God controls the clouds and makes his lightning flash? Do you know how the clouds hang poised? Do you know how the clouds hang up there, Job? Do you got all those answers? Those wonders of him who has perfect knowledge? Faraday would have answered that. No, I don't know how it happens. I know who does it. God makes all that happen. But I'm sure going to study it so I can try to understand it the best I can. And I'm going to share that with people. And hopefully they can understand the power of God there as well. It's how he operated. When I think about God's wonders, I come up with a very short list here. I came up with a very short list here. I can think of nature, creation, how God created something from nothing. Amazing. How does he sustain it in spite of uh, us as people? God sustains creation. He sustains it. It's just amazing. I think we've got a front row seat to that here in Montana. Amazing, beautiful place. Scripture, how many times have nations or people tried to destroy Scripture, but Scripture just continues on? How many times have people tried to destroy God's people and they just expand and grow from there? And you see God continue to work around us. You see the wonders of God among us. You see God saying, I'm going to take people that are imperfect, that are fallen, and I'm going to help transform them through my Son, through the Holy Spirit, so that they are reversing this sinful trend. They're going the other direction. They're going to start coming towards me. I'm going to take people that have addictions and these sin that they can't shake. And when they come to me, I'm going to give them my Holy Spirit so that they can be transformed, so that they can start looking a little more like me all the time as they launch into eternity. What a wonder of God. And as I've said before, parting the Red Sea, all that kind of stuff, that's the easy stuff causing people to speak in different languages miraculously. That's easy stuff. The real miracle is God, in our response of faith, repentance, and baptism, giving us his Holy Spirit and transforming us to look more like him. That's a miracle, isn't it? That's better than anything else that God's done. Amazing stuff. And so when I think about this, and I, what I hope you gain from this is, is you look at God, the life of Michael Faraday and you realize that God's got people everywhere. And there's people that, at different times, at different places, that God gives as a gift. That honor Him, that love Him, that show that fruit of the Spirit, that do amazing things outside of what we would call the spiritual realm, and uh, make a huge impact in our world for God. Michael Faraday was a gift. Now, my guess is that probably none of us here today are going to go out and become 
an internationally known scientist that will be known for centuries later. Probably not going to happen. Maybe. Now, if, if that's... If you're a kid and that's what your bend in life is, then absolutely you've got my prayers and, and blessing. Go for it. The likelihood is that most of us fall into the category of the many others. And you see that come up in Acts a few different times. It says that, that Paul preached or Peter preached and many others continued to share the message of God. You see that in Acts chapter 15, verse 35. It says that there were, here were some people in Antioch that were preaching the gospel and it said, and many others. You and I... Most all of us are going to fall into the category of many others, right? We're going to be part of those many other people that a few centuries from now, our names might be on a, an Ancestry.com list or whatever's happening at that point in time. But I thought about it. I, I, without looking, I couldn't tell you the names of my great-grandparents. But I'm thankful for them. And if I understand Scripture, those that chose to follow God, just as Faraday was a gift from God, so are you. That's what I understand, and that's what I see from Scripture. Because each of us, when we become part of God's people, we become a Christian, we become part of His kingdom. There's lots of different ways to say that. Part of how God has created us is to be created with giftedness, to be able to be a gift and be a blessing and show the love of God to the people around us. And it may be on a very, very small scale. It may be on a great scale. But in any scale, whatever it may be, is powerful. Faraday is is understood to have said, and I I couldn't find the quote specifically, but it was was referenced in, in some different ways, that he found as much fulfillment in taking care of the sick in the congregation that he shepherded as he did with any scientific experiment that he ever conducted. Because he understood in those situations that he was simply being the hands of God, being a gift to somebody else. And that's the opportunity that every one of us have every day to be a gift to others, to display the fruit of the Spirit, to show Christ in ways, whatever our giftedness may be, whether it's science, whether it's math, whether it's teaching, whatever you do, whatever your situation is, see that as God placing you in those situations to be a gift to the people around. And if every one of us do that throughout our entire lives, I can't imagine the amount of impact that God will continue to use every one of us for. Good example. Michael Faraday is a tremendous example for all of us. Whatever you do, be a gift from, gift from God to the people around you. If you'd like to become a Christian today or you would like prayers of the church, you're welcome to head back. Elders will be in the back. Uh, but uh, we uh, are going to go straight into the Lord's Supper, and then we will sing our way out.